I have never heard this song. It's Vitology, are you kidding? <laughs> Their second best selling album. Welcome everyone to episode 120 of the Light Shed Podcast. Brandon Ross, Walter Pysik, Richard Greenfield, third to last weekend of the summer. I felt like that was done to sort of wake me out of my long plane ride home. Like that was just oh, here we go. a lot of energy. Oh, no. Rich. Rich, is, so you know what? Rich has come to bitch. No, no that was just no, a lot no, of no, energy. No, allow me to take over. For our podcast listeners, what you can't see right now is that Rich Greenfield looks quite disheveled. But <laughs> this is actually an improvement because normally when Rich Greenfield gets off of a flight, he feels compelled to take a selfie video with his his disheveled look. No, this really wasn't a red eye though. No, 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 this no, was no, not a red eye. Red Walt, eye. you Whatever. you missed the best part of of that selfie. It's always also the underneath. No, I said that from the angle, oh, you... well beneath his face. Right? <laughs> I can't even. Can you do and, that? And just like I just got like sending this on Instagram stories or whatever. I just got off the red eye. Bah. I I don't think Rich has taken a red eye though since we started our own company. I think he only used to take it to post that story so that the people who ran BTIG could see how hard he was working and give a bigger bonus. Noted. Uh, <laughs> Noted. I have not taken I have not taken a red eye since the pandemic started, but I have already two piled up for September. So nice. It is so you're ending. you're taking red eyes back from your L.A. and San Francisco trip. Uh, I am That's hustling. Absurd. Well, hustling. podcast podcast calls. I, it was it was getting back in time for podcasts. I'm sure you'll be a bowl of cherries on those podcasts. I mean, the key will be whether I post a picture that morning and tag it Walter Pysik. Tag it so tag in it. classic fashion. It is currently 420. And which is the, a, a rare time light them we, up when we've done a <laughs> podcast post close on a Friday, you know, last week or two weeks ago, we were giving rich shit because we had to do it on a Thursday. We missed all kinds of stuff. <laughs> so here we are after the close on a Friday. And I'm looking at my Bloomberg, which we pay, Silence. Excess, we pay an excessive amount of money for, <laughs> and there's literally no actual <laughs> news hitting the tape. Yeah, but there was a lot of news. A lot of things happened. That's today. not the point, Brandon. That we miss stuff that hits after the tape on oh, Friday. After the tape, after the so, tape, right? Or so during, even time, during the day on Friday, though, we missed stuff. We do true. it too early in the morning. Well, that's true. But there wasn't. Was there any real news that hit after twelve o'clock or one o'clock today? Not really. Not after twelve one. That very interesting. MSG Entertainment. That was from earlier in the day. So we would have we would have gotten yeah. that anyway. Yeah. Anyway, Maybe. so what are you going to do? You start at four twenty, and this is what happens. I was w- really wanting to start at four thirty, 
So we could play that Spin Doctor so- song, What Time Is It? 4.30. And it <laughs> would have hit the spin theme too, just like Spin the Black Circle. And what else was spun this week? Well, we know what was spun. MSG did their like, well, I guess the Cablevision assets have now had like five or six spins at least. Um, Dude, there was s- even tracking stocks vision. back in the day. Rainbow Media. Tra- I mean, well, ooh, tracking, tracking stocks. stocks. Are so I love that stuff. Of, so you know what? Favor now. You know what is a great career move to be the banker? Only Malone to Jim still Dolan. does. To does. <laughs> Malone still does the tracking stocks. <laughs> Sprint had a I don't know. I mean. Stock. Like Greg Siebert has a lot of that, like Maffei Malone in him. Interesting structures. This one is actually uh, a fairly interesting structure, but we'll get into all that when that topic hits. What's what our, do we got first? Slide, our, Rich. Our first <laughs> slide is sort of the. It's funny how just a couple of years ago we were really starting to get worried that sports rights. We're not going to have another leg up. And remember, I think it was after sort of EPL sort of had sort of an unexciting, was it a flattish round or even down round over in the UK? And we started to really worry about what was happening with sports rights. And now sort of everywhere we look, it's just been bananas, despite the fact that the cable ecosystem is is in showing all signs of, of collapsing. All these streaming services are just piling in. So first, Jerry Smith. Hold on, Rich. Sure. The streaming services are largely the same companies as the ones that were piling for cable networks. Now they're just piling with cable networks and the streaming services. Right. But what's Go funny ahead. about that is, well, but, but what's funny about that or the irony of all of that is their cash cow cable network businesses or broadcasting cable network businesses are no longer growing, if not declining. They're losing billions a year on streaming. And now they're jacking up their sports rights fees even as their cash cow starts to, you know, starts to fade, this is going to be pretty painful. For, I mean, in terms of losses, there's going to be some very serious losses that pile up from all of yeah. these sports contracts. Well, it's not like these are going to be negative margin businesses, but margins are going to shrink heavily and will go negative. The first ones to go negative are going to be your RSNs, and then we'll kind of go from there. Right, but we've got Paramount has renewed its U.S. media rights to Champions League matches in a deal valued at more than $1.5 billion over six years, more than double the size of the previous contract. I, I mean, look, I do think that it forces, when Walt wants to watch a Champions League, he's got to go to Paramount+. Plus. That's great. The problem is just how sticky are those subscribers and can these services keep these people all year long? And we've got another tweet on here from Jacob Feldman. Tons of interesting details in the new Big Ten rights deal just announced. Looks like Peacock will have eight exclusive football games and close to 50 men's basketball games each year. Paramount Plus only get only getting CBS simulcasts, it seems. Okay, so, I mean, you have the rights holders are kind of like semi-edging into this streaming world with the majority of rights still going to be on linear television. And you have the traditional network companies, traditional media paying up across the board with the hope that they're going to be able to make this smooth transition to streaming, despite the fact that streaming subscribers for the industry have already flattened out. So what are you going to, you're going to get margin deterioration across the board. 
Yeah, but but what really worries me here is this tweet from Amal Sharma, who pulls out this comment that I think we should really be thinking and talking more about. Nearly one fifth of streaming subscribers are, quote unquote, serial cancelers, a big problem for Netflix, HBO Max and others. It's like a diet. You know, you take a couple of calories off here and there. Why give them money if I'm not watching? You know, we what? wrote a piece. What, what's well, that diet? Well, I don't even the, understand the uh, the tweet. But the I point is, is that actually where we're going here. Just just the concept that these things, you don't have to subscribe all year. It's not like cable where, you know, nobody cancels. I mean, yes, I know people cancel their Comcast or their Verizon Fios midway no, through the a, year. But it's a huge pain in the ass because there's a lot of friction. So Correct. when you made the transition to the virtual MVPDs, you saw overall industry um, churn happen on a more frequent basis. It wasn't just move churn anymore, obviously. And now you're seeing it with streaming services. It used to be that Netflix was only the really the only streaming service. Um, so it probably wasn't as pronounced. Now you have players that have way less content than Netflix um, with audiences because of it that aren't as sticky and there's competition between them. So you're all fighting for the same dollars. So people are going to choose. And I think the biggest recession risk in addition to advertising kind of going away is everyone says, Oh, like Netflix is recession proof, but now you have a whole bunch of streaming services that are being packaged together. And so people are going to be more apt to pick and choose among and churn will get elevated. But is there going to be a recession? Are we in a recession? Are things getting better? Walt? All I know is that every macro economist or talking head that I listen to <laughs> predicts something with certainty. And then, and in mass, and they end up um, being actually wrong. So I'm going to change when I start phrasing the economic, um, you know, poor outlook. It's let's just call it uncertainty. It's economic uncertainty because I don't think anyone has a fucking clue what's going to happen over the next six months, whether it's inflation or recession or, I mean, even the job cuts that have occurred, I mean, five, 10% here and there, there's no massive job cuts. Let's be honest. There's no massive job cuts. So like, I don't know. I'm not saying there's not going to be a recession, but like double dip and all this stuff. But like when you hear a bunch of people just go super negative in mass, I mean, these are the same people that in mid to late June were saying that the market was going to get crushed in August. And here we are two weeks in and we had a little bit of pullback and you have people upgrading Verizon. That's not the, that's not the sign of, of like, or excuse me, downgrading Verizon, not the sign of like looking for, for safety type stocks. But I want to go back um, Rich, because you move very quickly through those through those tweets, um, and just kind of ask Brandon something here on that Big Ten um, that Big Ten contract, which was very large, and it just shows the interest in ratings. But it feels to me like ratings are in some ways tied. You don't need to actually show the tweets, Rich. It's fine. Um, the ratings are in some ways tied to um, betting, and you know a lot of these kind of. DraftKings and what have you, if, if it feels to me like I haven't really looked at them, it feels like they've been left for dead. Is the activity level on some of these, now that we have real sports coming back in the form of the um, college football and the NFL, is are the metrics going to look better there? And there's going to be you know more interest in a lot of the gambling stocks that have, have kind of lost some maybe interest when we've had only baseball to deal with, which is boring as shit. <laughs> baseball is boring as shit. Although, although if you're not a Mets fan... Although that's true. Congrats to the Mets. Great <laughs> job. As soon as I jump on the bandwagon. Not a great job this week. <laughs> um, 
but maybe maybe baseball should be um, getting more gambling because it's not as fun. But anyway, I digress. Brandon, what what are your thoughts the, on, no, on the biggest the biggest issue in the sports betting industry is that there are too many books and there wasn't rationality in terms of customer uh, customer acquisition, which has died. What you have seen is that customer acquisition spend still growing overall, but massively having decelerated. Where, so where, when you say growing overall, where, where does, cause for me, so in my world, it's like, I saw the ads on Twitter and they were constantly barraging me with 1300 here. So where was because your market had just launched. Right. So, so you were, you were getting barraged for the first scramble for customer yep. acquisition. If you look at these books, DraftKings, whatever, um, what we seen, and I think I tweeted um, DraftKings or FanDuel's um, total marketing spend maybe a week or two ago. You see it growing, but now the growth has come down very, very significantly. Mm-hmm. That spend will go X growth, as you point out, except for surges when new markets get launched. Got it. Yeah, and there's no timing on a lot of the big markets that haven't launched yet. We have no idea. But what's so, what, so what's so what's and Brandon, you were doing this like in prior podcasts. Like, so what's our investment takeaway here? You have these big sports payments. Are we, you know, what do you get long or short? What what's that telling you? I think maybe it's not telling you anything different. No, I think this is still an industry that needs to be avoided until there's real consolidation. Don't forget, you still have other players Mm -hmm. who are continuing to launch and and launch new markets. So you don't think a flood of bets come in on the Giants doing over eight games or seven games? And uh, dude, of course you have. If you look at, like, say, the state of New Jersey and look at the Mm -hmm. handle, kind of um, month by month, it absolutely peaks during football season. That seasonality is known. But you think that's known by the market that that's not enough to rally these stocks? A hundred percent, because that's like look at look at. the whole history of Jersey, which is, you know, now been around, forget Vegas, because that, you know, is mostly land-based. Um, for Jersey Digital has been around now a couple of years, and you've seen that seasonality there. So you're going to see the same thing as other markets mature. And what about Paramount, Rich? I mean, if what, what if they get huge numbers on some of these new deals that they signed up in terms of viewership? Well, I think they will. I think the, the question is, and, and Disney just, you know, jacked the price of ESPN plus by whatever, 40% and Disney plus, you know, like the, the question really is, is you jack the price of all of these things because you're tired of losing money and you're using really high end sports rights, expensive sports rights to sort of get subscribers. Can you keep the subscribers and can you make the math work? Disney literally, Chapik literally was quoted last week on the conference call. He said, we don't think we're going to have any churn from raising the cost of Disney Plus because mm-hmm. people can just stay with the ad. The, the, since the the current version without ads is going to be the price with ads, he thinks that raising the price from seven ninety nine to eleven ninety nine won't have or ten ninety nine won't have an impact on churn. Which I just I don't know when it's that easy to come on and off. You love Mandalorian, but you don't love you know whatever the new Marvel series is. It's pretty easy to turn these things on and off. Right. So if like I was going to relate it to Verizon, but obviously it's not easy to switch from carrier to carrier. Um, this easy. is a little different. 
<laughs> I don't, I just don't know for $4 a month, $3 a month, if we were all believing in this hurting consumer and now, I don't know, we'll see if how hurting the consumer is, whether you actually, it does drive additional churn. It'll be interesting to say. Absolutely. I mean, the Disney bundle now, all, all three services, if you want Hulu, ESPN, and Disney Plus without ads. And HBO 20- Max. What's going on with HBO Max today, this weekend? Mean? It's a big weekend, right? You got the, you got the Game of Thrones spin out. Sunday Have you read night. any of the reviews? Uh, you know, I only listen to podcasts, Rich. I don't read anything anymore. <laughs> um, so my podcast- Very on point. That's very on point. I don't know which of the podcasts that I was listening to, but it did say they thought it was more targeted at um, like the real geek um, Game of Thrones person that reads the books and stuff, not the casual users that got kind of pulled in over the over a couple of seasons. We'll say. I think everyone loved Game of Thrones so much that they're at least going to watch the first episode. So I think I think uh, I think these viewers, however, like if if I'm a Marvel or or a Star Wars viewer, I'm patient if episode one or episode two of one of their series is shitty, which is, was the case for like Wanda. Um, in this case, I don't know if the Game of Thrones viewer is going to be that patient if if episode one or two of this thing is going to be shitty. We'll say. Well, especially since you hated the last season too, right? Like that was not a great way to end the series. Yeah, but the so with, this is how they're marketing it, though, right? They're 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 marketing it with that dude that writes the books because he's the one that shit on <laughs> the last season, and this right. one is tied to the books, so they're like trying to pull people back in for that reason. But again, like. How many people really fucking follow it that closely that know that level? I know you do. I, I know, know you I, do. I, I haven't read one of those books. I, I haven't listened to it either on Audible. So what are you going to do? I read a bunch of reviews um, too. I went to Metacritic and then just kind of huh? click, click through, you know, to, to different reviews. It seemed overall pretty positive. Um, we should give it, a it, shout it, out it, to it, friend of the shed, made, Greg Yatanis, who directed this. It well, actually, Rich, I'm going to go the opposite on okay. that. Never I'm going to, I'm going to shut down and Brandon, we'll let me go back to the review, but just since rich interrupted you, I'm going to, I'm going to build on that interruption saying, where's our, where's our preview. Send us three episodes. <laughs> this is, this is a listen to podcast. There are other content players out there, HBO max, uh, David, that all that provide us early releases to their shows. Where's our early release to watch this. We clearly need HBO max screeners. It's crazy. Send it to it. All right. Sorry, Brandon. What was the reveal? Oh, not- I, I think they were generally pretty positive. So that gave me some hope um, is all I was going to say. Um, but it's interesting with like prequels and stuff like that. Look at Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Better Call Saul is an amazing show. I know it wrapped up, but it's an amazing show. It is just about on the level of Breaking Bad, and there was just no buzz about it almost ever, even as I think it won Emmys and shit like that. Um, Did anyone talk about the Better Call Saul finale? No. Nobody. And it was good content. So who knows how this does. But I I would say the difference for me personally, and again, this is like, you know, what do they call it? Ivory Tower analysis. The last season of Game Isn't of Thrones. We do. Yes. The last season, <laughs> the last season of Game of Thrones, I had a group of friends and we went from house to house and watched episodes. Better Call Saul was never like that in terms. So, Breaking but I will say bad, this Breaking Bad. Sorry. I'll, I'll say this about um, 
about Game of Thrones and the release date this weekend. This is kind of a dumb release date, in my opinion, because everyone's out doing their vacation shit. They should have done this in like in the second week of September when everyone's back, the school season started, yada, yada, yada. And like, and then we can join as a community to watch this thing together. Because I can tell you right now, I'm dropping my kid off at college. I ain't watching this thing with anyone. None of my friends in my Game of Thrones chat group has said, let's get together and watch this episode. Terrible date to drop the first episode. I, I presume it's to beat Amazon. But beat them to what? Lord of the Rings. I oh, presume. Please. Lord of the Rings, please. Th- I'm there's telling no self- you, then you've got they no are trying to front run Lord of the Rings. Well, that's no self-confidence in your content then. That's sad. Just, I'm sad. just saying. Because Lord think, of the Rings. They, they think people aren't going to watch two shows. Yeah, the average what, American watches 40 hours a week. And Lord of the Rings? Come on, dude. Next. Next, exactly. Brandon, go ahead. Lord of, the, Lord, go Lord ahead. of the Rings. Go ahead, Brandon. <laughs> um, this is this is John O'Ran. This is big news, who, by the way, had Michael Nathanson as a guest on his podcast. Oh, nice guy, Michael Nathanson. I went yeah, to a, 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 nice a, a Jets or no, a Giants game with him. Very nice guy. Yeah, he is a nice guy. Big sports fan. Yes. Anyway, this is big news in the sports media world. Amazon's Thursday night football games will be Nielsen rated for the next three seasons, marking the first time that Nielsen's national TV measurement system will incorporate a streaming service. All right, go Nielsen. Next, Ad Age, Amazon expects the NFL to draw 12.5 million viewers on Thursday nights when it starts streaming the games exclusively, which is a smaller audience than when it aired on broadcast TV, according to agency execs with direct knowledge of Amazon's sales pitch. Yeah, no shit, it's going to be a smaller audience than when well, but, it but, but let's on, just talk about that TV. for a second. They're expecting, I mean, last last season, Thursday Night Football was 16 and a half million viewers. Yeah, on average. Yep. So it's 75% is what they're expecting. I think that's actually sounds aggressive, right? Like, I mean. Aggressively high. Yeah, people aren't, like, people don't just hang out on Amazon Prime waiting for content the way they have the TV on. And I'm not saying us, like, but I'm saying older people, kind of a lot of the core TV audience who may just have a TV on. It's not just on the dial. They got to go to they got to go to Prime Video. Prime Video is not like something you turn on every day. I don't know. It, it, it feels like a big number. I mean, I, I guess it's possible, but it does feel like a pretty big number. I believe in the power of the NFL, Rich, and it's not about casually turning on a football game. It's what it's you true. do if it's a good game. Thursday Where night event, right? Thursday night event. There's- like this is as as Doctor Malone has said, the glue. Although it's not keeping the bundle together. It's not holding the bundle together. It's the glue that's (laughs) that's, uh, pulling the bundle apart. Um, Uh, Just the last thing on here is 30-second commercials currently reportedly are generating roughly $500,000 for Amazon dollars, less than the average of $635,000 that Fox earned in 2021. That's 78%. So I assume the discrepancy is based on the... uh, the audience size 78 to 75. I'm sure that Amazon ads will have some interactivity that Fox doesn't, especially since all that Fox stuff is pretty much watched linearly, whereas some people or many people will watch this in app. I mean, look, this, this is essentially look, this is essentially like 2006 all over again. Cause in 2006, remember Monday night football moved from ABC 
over to ESPN. Yeah, but everyone, I mean, everyone still, what was uh, cable penetration at that point? Viewership dropped by, viewership dropped by 30 plus percent. Okay, well, there you go. So despite the fact that you were in the same overall ecosystem, viewership uh, dropped by 30 plus percent. So the question is now in a different ecosystem is, you know. Where you're starting, your starting point is different and it's, you know, it's theoretically harder, it should probably drop more than 30%. Hence your belief that the 25% drop is aggressive. The the counterbalance to all of this is there's more people with Amazon Prime today in the US than there are with cable television. So that's right. But are there more people with Amazon Prime today than there were people with cable television at the time? Ooh, in 2005. That's a great question. I don't know whether Mark. they're my, 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 I would guess that there were more than 80 million cable households in 2005, but I, I know don't so. know for, I would, I would assume there were, I had to go back and check. I know we peaked at like, you know, almost a hundred million yeah. in, in 2011. Yeah. So I would so assume there 2006, were. there had to be more than of, 80. Of course there were. It, I'm wasn't, just, it wasn't even in hyper growth at that point. Correct. Uh, I'll well, say. Can we have a little technology moment here? A technology corner, just a pause in the media broadcast for technology. This is a big step for the NFL in that, like last year, when you had streaming games, you were able to get it on NFL Network over your DirecTV or your Dish Connection or your cable provider. So whether it's 8, 10, 12, these are a lot of simultaneous streams that are going to be flowing across that interwebs in order to deliver it. So I don't give a shit if it's 16, 14, 12, 10, whatever. This is a big step for the NFL. Um, so we'll we'll see how that plays out. For our listeners, if you don't happen to have Amazon Prime or maybe you're, you're, you're on a cable guy and your internet's not that great, you can go to a bar because I think it's still going over DirecTV for the enterprise packages. So you can watch the game at a bar, get some nice hot wings, for what I think it's the first game is week two, right? Whatever that week two is or whatever week it is. Um, I mean, the question is, is will it work, right? Like when, when 12 and a half million people or there's a big game in 15 million How many million people, people simultaneously do you think stream the Super Bowl? Over or under 12 million? Globally, you're saying. But what, what was it in the U.S.? Or we have to look at the, what the or we even wanna, in We want to know what the U.S. number is. I don't know. Not households, individuals, like individual streams. Individuals, I don't know. Good question. Mark. 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 We can get that number. I don't know the number off the top of my head. Anyway, we'll I think the reason that's also important, I think, is if Amazon. By the way, Mark just came back. 92 million households um, had ESPN in 2006. That's not the which question. Is, oh, that's the other question. Greater. Yeah, the other question. It was greater than the 80 million Amazon. That's houses. correct. Next. So, so if Amazon can deliver elect- um, on, from the technical side, it goes back to the, the primary topic that still is not answered by the NFL as of yet, which is who gets Sunday ticket. And Rich, can you can you bring us our next slide? Because let's look at what's let's look in at Apple right now for one of the live streaming sports that they're doing. We get from Surfer Joe at Love Untold tweets at us. Why can't I rewind when watching Apple TV plus MLB games like cable? Can't toggle back and forth quickly either watching other games. Takes a long time to load launch app. Why does streaming with sports feel like we're going backwards? You can take the tweet down. Let's not debate about the functionality that Apple's at right now. The real question is, like, if Amazon is demonstrating that it can do 10, 12, 14 million simultaneous streams, that has to be, that has to resonate, I think, with the NFL in terms of 
the decision that they have to make on Sunday ticket. Does it not, Rich? Well, Sunday ticket, again, we don't really know the numbers. Way, they've never, way, way, way smaller. They've never reported the actual numbers, but we believe there's only two to three million households that paid the $350 to $400 for Sunday ticket. Mm-hmm. And of those that paid, then the question becomes, how many use it every weekend? Like just because you pay doesn't mean you use it every weekend. Let's just assume two thirds. So you're probably talking about at best two million people ever. And were they simultaneous or were, hey, some of them were at one o'clock and some of them were at two o'clock. You don't know if you watched Sunday ticket for the entire three hours. I'm sure there are people who are out of market, watched an entire game, et cetera. But my guess is, is that the, the challenge here relative to what Amazon's trying to pull off on Thursday night is different. But it's it's point taken. I don't think that there are millions of people watching Friday Night Baseball. That's for sure. So your point, though, is that the technology doesn't matter and that Amazon, when they are able to do 12 million, they're doing their own production this year. Right. They're not relying on the broadcast partners. At the same time, Apple's like at least Angelo Cataldi, who I rely on explicitly (laughs) for all of my research. Does he know he's a celebrity on our podcast? I hope so. From Odyssey, he is the sports talk. He's this is his final year. He will, by the way, he's only, he's only going to retire when the Eagles get eliminated if they make the playoffs. So Eagles need to go so I can keep listening to him. Anyway, he they railed on Apple's um, you know broadcast for these baseball games to mm-hmm. no end. So I mean, look, I think the NFL. It's not always about the Benjamin because everyone can pay the ben- not everyone, but sure. a lot of companies can pay the Benjamins. Um, Apple's got to step up the technology game. For our Apple listeners. Yeah, I think I, most of that technology game that they're going to need to step up is sort of in the UI, UX, interactivity sure. layer. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, when you're talking about the general infrastructure to run streaming at not crazy scale, it's probably there based on what I don't know, seen. dude. Like, just think about Netflix over the years. Whenever we've said something like that to Netflix and our friends in Netflix calls, like, you really think it's that easy? And then we see launches yeah. by other um streamers and how they botch it on on basic things so i don't know we'll see hope i'm right by the anyway, way uh, my so, point is i'm pulling back i still think rich apple said, wins, uh, i'm pulling back on my my side of that prediction rich i think i think it's i think it's maybe 55 45 apple v versus um amazon right now and who wins it it's also just much better for the nfl if it's apple because spreading the love among multiple bidders getting everyone wet with you know their appetite wet with the That's NFL. W H E T wet. Yes. <laughs> yes. Wet the appetite. <laughs> yeah. Next. You guys are killing me. You guys kill me. We got CNBC now with breaking Dan Loeb's third point takes new stake in the Walt Disney Company, calls for it to acquire Comcast Hulu stake, and sees quote unquote strong case that ESPN should be spun off to shareholders. Well, I mean, I guess the timing's interesting, right? Because Chapek has a new three year contract. Bob Chapik, the CEO of the Walt Disney Company, Walt, uh, has a new three-year contract. And we keep waiting to see what will define the Chapik era, the way Pixar and Marvel and Lucasfilms define the Iger era. Will we see a big move out of Chapik? He doesn't seem to be showing any signs of spinning off ESPN, but we're obviously worried, as we talked about earlier on, sports rights costs are going up and cable revenues are starting to go down. Doesn't make for a pretty picture. So if you could you know, getting rid of ESPN, I think would make a lot of sense on Hulu. We sort of agree with Dan, buy it or sell it, but just make a decision. Like I, we'd rather they sell it, but make a decision waiting until 2024 to decide on Hulu's future continues to just 
befuddle us? Like, why why is Disney just waiting? Maybe thoughts, Ch- Brandon. Well, maybe Chapek's big move is to add Taiwan to the Epcot Center's circle of countries. <laughs> that was a better joke. Um, I don't know. Why does something have to define the Chapek era? Why does he have to do something, you know, to put his stamp on it? He, what he needs to do is make the best decisions for the Walt Disney Company. And you're right. Hulu is probably the thing that is at the biggest crossroads right now. You have argued extensively for them to get rid of Hulu. I think Walter and I both agree with you on that point, especially as they beef up Disney Plus with GE content. It's just too confusing. And if they could get a pretty penny for it, less than they probably would have a while back, um, then they should probably do something there. Vis-a-vis ESPN, if you're going to do ES, ESPN serves a purpose right now for the broader Disney company, especially as they invest in, in general entertainment content, and that's coin, right? So if you're going to do that, you have to take a move out of the sort of Malone playbook or the, I don't know, Greg Siebert playbook and numerous others. You have to lever up the asset that you're going to spin and suck as much cash out of it as possible to keep you floating for a little while. Doesn't sound like a bad idea. I mean, it sort of sounds like if you're kind of proper strategic financial planning, if you wait too long for that sort of, you know, for that thing to sort of start to really cliff dive, then you can't lever it up and then you can't spin it off and you're sort of stuck with declining asset and less and less help. Like it seems like now is the time to get out before it's obvious to everyone else, just how kind of terminal the cable network business is. I don't know. We'll say we're rooting for Dan on this one. We'll see whether it actually happens though. Speaking of spins, Brandon, we had a lot of spinoff news. Well, we kind of previewed it at the beginning of the episode after the musical introduction. I'll read this tweet from Mike Vorkanov. MSG Entertainment's board of directors authorized the company today to look at a possible spinoff to create a separately traded publicly company that should be public company mistake on mike's part made <laughs> of its entertainment properties aside from msg sphere and tau and includes msg networks the new company would include msg arena absolutely terrible tweet to explain what's going on so i'll just do it right paint us the whiteboard or you know, draw us the whiteboard. yeah I'll, I'll draw this out for you it is pretty simple though You have two assets, what I will call MSGLV for Las Vegas, which will consist of the Sphere and Tau. And the largest revenue source from Tau is everything they own in Vegas, which is the the old Tau properties, which and uh, they merged with Hakkasan. And so it's the Hakkasan properties. Basically, it is every club in Las Vegas is now under the control of MSG. So that's on one side. The other side, which we'll call MSGNY for New York, is The Garden, the stuff that happens at Radio City Music Hall and the Beacon Theater, including at Radio City, the Rockettes franchise, as well as 
MSG Networks, everybody's favorite asset. So um, why did they do this deal? Well, ever since MSG Entertainment bought MSG Networks, um, MSG Entertainment has traded quite poorly. And it was time to re-highlight the value of the different assets that they have there. And if you kind of go through and start to do your sum of the parts analysis, even with extremely conservative assumptions on both sides of the ledger, and by conservative, I mean assuming MSG Networks goes bankrupt, like that conservative. Okay? Can, so meaning it goes bankrupt within this new entity. Yeah. Well, the the debt is actually ring fenced around MSG Network. So the absolute worst case scenario is that that asset's worth zero at the time that that bankruptcy occurred, even though there's cash flow coming off it right now. Right. So um, if you do that and put really, really conservative assumptions on the sphere and really, really conservative um, multiple on Tau and the MSG Entertainment business, you probably get to a little higher than where the equity value currently is. So this is something they had to do. They had to re-highlight the value um, of the different assets and make people sharpen their pencils again. And MSG Networks- actually, I just can't believe how many different pieces there have been to this puzzle over the last 10 years. Oh, it's crazy. This Don't forget, it, it all started with Cablevision, right? You want to go it, through it, all- we, you No, but I'm just saying like spins? your point was, but your point Cablevision was this feels Malone-like. Cablevision, yeah, because they keep trying to highlight and re-highlight value um, of the different entities, especially as- there are different shareholders that are attracted to different pieces of the puzzle. So they've played through that playbook over and over again. The one deviation from the playbook was the acquisition of MSG networks by MSG Entertainment, which was the opposite of the spin, essentially. And that move served a purpose. They sucked a lot of cash out of MSG networks to help pay the CapEx on the spheres. <laughs> Right now, it's done serving its purpose, and they need to rehighlight value. Can we just boil down all this rehighlight value? Just yes, it's financial engineering to basically try to create shareholder value. That's, that's right. What they're trying I, to do. yes, uh, keep keeping it simple. You, you had a lot of words, and, I, but and that's I, essentially right. what. And I believe I believe that is it will work um, over time. I think that there's definite upside. Um, especially to the sphere versus people's um, projections right now, but we're going to have to see. The reaction on the stock today was okay, but muted. I think stock was up something like 5%. Um, so we'll see how this kind of plays out in due time. We've heard speculation of Walmart um, doing something with a bunch of different streaming services. We know Netflix has partnered with T-Mobile. We know Disney has partnered with Verizon. I don't think a lot of people were expecting Paramount to be Walmart's choice of partners. But let me just read this. Maybe, Brendan, you can sort of, since you were digging into this all week, help us understand it. But breaking Walmart, Paramount announced deal following great reporting from blah, blah, blah. Paramount Plus ad supported tier $4.99 available to Walmart Plus sub starting in September. Walmart Plus remains $12.99 per month. Sorry, $12.95 monthly. Okay. I think there's 
two main components to it. One is kind of the popular take on it, which is Walmart Plus wants to create, become much more like Amazon Prime. And I think they have something probably between like 16 to 18 or 19 million subs. You said what Amazon Prime's domestic um, subscriber count was, which is 80 million. So you know, given the amount of retail that comes through Walmart seems like a big opportunity. But in order to do that, you need to create a bundle. And key to any bundle that we've looked at, um, you know, whether it's in Walt's world of the telcos, whether it's Amazon itself or anything else has been entertainment. And so they needed to add entertainment, decided to do this deal with Paramount. But let's let's just stop you right there because there's a key difference that you didn't highlight. Amazon is building a bundle with their own content. Apple's building a bundle with their own content. That's true. Disney's building bundles with their own content. The telcos Why is are Walmart building not- bundles with other people's content. Walmart doesn't have their own content. And if you look at the core competency of Walmart, which is really in the boxes, right? They're the best big box or broadline retailer sure. of in U.S. history. Um, it's not creating content. That's not something Doug McMillan knows anything about, right? So, you know, in a, rather than develop their own chops, which they could have done maybe started years ago, they decided to do this deal with Paramount. Why did they choose Paramount? Probably because the Walmart shoppers right down the middle and CBS and Viacom content, especially CBS content, procedurals, football, et cetera, et cetera, is also right down the middle. So it was a good fit there. Another reason they're doing this though, and this has not been highlighted by too many people, is for ad inventory. Walmart is trying to build their ad business again with Amazon Envy, right? You see what Amazon has, what a $30 billion advertising business. Walmart has Walmart Connect. And it grew 30% in Q2 was on the slide as well. Yes, 30% in Q2. I think it grew, the number of advertisers on the platform grew like 120% or something. So they're trying to get additional inventory. Little known is the fact that they cut a minimum ad guarantee, but it's not just a minimum ad guarantee for Walmart to advertise on Paramount. Walmart is going to take that inventory and flip it to their Walmart Connect clients. Yeah, but but what's so interesting is when I think about sort of the advertising world, right? You know, you've had a huge Microsoft deal with Netflix trying to, you know, pole vaulting Walmart now, or sorry, pole vaulting Microsoft into potentially having some of the best advertising inventory in the connected TV world. You've got Disney rolling out advertising on Disney Plus after Hulu. You know, you now you've got Walmart doing this deal with Paramount Plus and themselves trying. Like everyone's trying to jump into essentially connected TV advertising. And that's essentially what you're talking about when you're talking about Walmart doing this deal with Paramount Plus. Just seems like a lot of players with the dollar still being relatively small outside of YouTube, right? Like YouTube is the dominant player. Right. Yeah. I don't, it's, um, it's growing. It's, it's growing this rapidly. Inven- this inventory, this connected, you know, television inventory though supplements the inventory and allows for package building with the stuff that's resident on the Walmart website. 
it just right, makes so- me wonder what happens to the two B TVs, the Plutos, like the Peacock advertising spend. Like, just how does this stuff actually perform when you've got all of these massive players jumping in? I don't know. It just it's going to be something interesting to watch. Whether some of this is cannibalistic over the course of the next twelve months. Next. <laughs> <laughs> with a big smile uh walt do you want to read this one from nick, nick turner, turner at newsy nick we're getting an early peek at what netflix's new ad supported service look ad supported service will look like and it's definitely going to be a no frills experience no downloading who downloads honestly do we have stats on that i was literally just talking to this it's about a technology about this today I mean, I, I, I'm going to fly. I'm about to download them in the airport. I never download. Anyway, less content. Less content. Is that true? Not everything is clear. Fair, uh, Interesting. Yeah, no option No clear, option to skip. Most no, of it is. Go on. No option to skip ads. Like, oh, no shit. No shock there. But one can dream. Nick Turner's a good dude. But And the other two things that came out, um, actually, just a few minutes ago, there oh. was a, a story that came out that says, not really a shocker, no ads in kids' content basically the same thing that Disney's doing. Um, although when we asked Disney what percentage of overall minutes watch was young kids who won't see ads, they actually didn't know. So I'm, I, my guess is it's a relatively small number at Netflix, but I would, you know, who knows? There's a lot of Coco Melon watching, I'm sure still. Uh, and then the other thing, no ads in new release movies. Um, so when you see something like Gray Man, there'll be no ads, at least yeah. for X number of weeks. I don't know if that doesn't sound like forever, but at least for X number of weeks. All, again- of, all of this totally makes sense. And they're trying to build, you know, going back to, you know, retail principles, since we just talked about Walmart, good, better, best. Right. And so yeah. this get this adds even more differentiation between the tiers. Can you imagine if you're a TV advertiser? like? Who the heck wants to be on linear t- outside of sports, like marquee sports? The idea of being on broadcast TV, like imagine advertising marquee on the sports dis- network. No, I'm saying like imagine <laughs> being on the Discovery Channel at eight o'clock on a Tuesday now, like or or CNN or any. I mean, just the idea of being a TV advertiser when you have this flood of streamers all offering you targeting they know who the view like just all of the things that you can do on connected tv ads with all of these streaming platforms like i think the tv ad market even whether we not i I know we're talking before about are we in a recession or what the future economic outlook is but add the economic uncertainty to the fact that all of these streaming services are doing advertising and the legacy linear tv ad numbers are going to be really really atrocious i think as you move into 23. Yeah, That's my I mean, gut. They're already looking pretty atrocious. The industry subscribers are down what high single digits right now. Something that is not down though is ticket prices for WWE events. Boom. Walt, why don't you read these? I'm Boom. Making Walt There's read nothing I like more now. than higher prices. <laughs> <laughs> Walt is the ticket inflation master. <laughs> Front office sports says in the first day of ticket sales for WrestleMania 39 at SoFi Stadium, WWE sold over 90,000 tickets, more than any event in history. Quote, this is from Triple H, friend of the friend of Lightshed. In nearly 40 years, we have never sold that many WrestleMania tickets that fast. But then what Rich shows here is ticket prices, $4,000 to $5,000 each. Yeah, so clearly WWE is listening 
to the podcast? Well, a couple of reactions here. One is the 90,000 tickets. Um, WrestleMania just went a couple of years ago to a two-day event from a one-day event. And also, this is in L.A., big city, high profile. Thanks. I didn't realize L.A. was a big city. Thanks for adding that. You're welcome. I just wanted to remind you, Rich. Yeah. Um, Sorry. (laughs) So that's, you know, that's part of it. Also, if you look at WWE ratings, uh, they have bottomed and actually are now on the upswing. There's a lot of confidence around what's going to happen or is already starting to happen on the content side with Paul, a.k.a. Triple H, um, in charge of creative. Um, So that's a positive. And the other thing is we've talked about platinum ticketing ad nauseum on this podcast and WWE is using platinum ticketing. So you're seeing the same front of house variable pricing that you're seeing in concerts to really, you know, squeeze the most possible dollars while also having reasonable get in prices. But I mentioned that I was a victim of platinum pricing when I wanted to know. Tell us. Well, you know, I was I was flipping through TikTok, even though China is doing seeing everything I'm doing, including apparently what I'm doing outside of TikTok now. Um, and we'll get to that later. And, you know, I was watching this this comedian, Dinesh something, but it, he makes me laugh a lot. And that's what comedians do. And he and I oh, clicked that like comedy. I didn't see any thing. I didn't see any things. And all of a sudden. I, I searched for six tickets and there I was platinum priced up and I got, I bought six tickets at an elevated price that they don't show on the, like the regular thing. So I don't know how I got into the system. It wasn't quite clear, but I ended up um, after a couple of gins buying a bunch of tickets. Would you like to go see a comedy show in the city sometime in September, October? Sure. Oh, I'd be, okay. I'd be, I'd be excited to see. You. I hate I, comedy guys. Very funny. You're in the second row and he interacts right. with the audience. Yada, yada. Okay. What is, um, Brandon, you asked a, well, I was going to say, Brandon asked a very interesting question this week. Didn't you, Brandon? Oh, uh, why don't you tee this up and do the setup? The WWE call. So I think the first like two or three analysts who asked questions asked, this is no joke. After this whole Vince scandal and the change in management, investors are wondering what the fuck's going to happen with this company. Is it going to be for sale? And I think the first guy asked like what the expected tax rate was for the year or something. (laughs) And then like the second guy asked if they could like pull subsidies out of the host cities for WrestleMania. So I got on there and tried to ask the for sale question in a, um, in a stealthy way. And uh, Stephanie McMahon called me out on it, but gave the answer. Now, that being said, um, I understand your remarks, and I think I'm reading between the lines (laughs) subtly (laughs) as far as But that being said, you know, Vince McMahon, my father, is still very much the controlling shareholder. Um, He is still has his eyes on what is the best for our business in terms of maximizing return to our shareholders, of which he is the biggest shareholder. Nick, Paul, Frank, and I remain um, focused on delivering the maximum results for our shareholders. So we will properly evaluate any opportunity that comes our way with that lens in mind. Thank you. Your next career could be as an analyst. 
Good job reading between <laughs> Were you being funny, Brandon? Oh, I made people laugh. I made people laugh on a couple of earnings calls this week. So um look, I think that's the answer that Steph is gonna have to give almost no matter what. Well, she has a fiduciary duty. She has a right? fiduciary duty. So they have to analyze any offer that was to come in. Does that mean that they're putting up a for sale sign? No, I don't think so. Um, and is this a business that Steph and Paul want to run for the longer term to kind of continue on the famous family legacy? The feeling I got from listening to Steph's prepared remarks was she, when she talked about how she used to go as a little girl and kind of work at um, WWE and help out and spent her whole life in this and had been, you know, kind of like training for this opportunity is that this is a legacy that she wants to continue. And that is she's been preparing to continue. Obviously, I think um, Paul is excited to be in the role as head of creative and excited to try some new things. Um, so I don't think this is something that is going to be actively shopped anytime soon, which is a view that we've had kind of for the last couple of weeks. Um, it is a little bit out of consensus and we'll see what happens. Why do people keep trying to sell tickets other than Ticketmaster? I don't uh, understand. I mean, people can try. I think what we have seen from everyone who has tried um, is that they can't get very much scale. And that includes Amazon. Remember that when we were worried about Amazon yes, entering 100%. the business and no one has you know, more capital to entered the ticketing business than Amazon and consumer relationships and is as good at marketing um any kind of item as amazon and they weren't able to do it why because mm -hmm. live nation ticketmaster has a lock on most of the venues in the country and they have vertical integration so so i get that but so explain it why is spotify and commanders I mean, with SeatGeek. like rich. why is this happening okay so SeatGeek is a ticketing company they have to do I, something i know i think there are times when live nation ticketmaster says okay you know what we don't really give a shit about this venue if you if you want to you know kind of overpay in terms of your splits or upfront uh non-recoupable payments go ahead and take it um it, i my guess is because it's happening more in football stadiums because there aren't that many concerts that occur overall in football stadiums. So having that, you know, kind of uh, concerts is the lifeblood of this business. It's just not that important to them. And they kind of let it go. And I, go ahead. I have, Walt. I have a ticket question. Yes. Going back to my Nimesh Patel comedy tickets. Yes, that were that were on Ticketmaster, obviously platinum, platinum. I only buy platinum. Um, yeah, right. Does TikTok get paid money for that? Because that's where that where that's where the transaction was sourced. Um, it's possible there's a deal an affiliate deal to give an affiliate deal, but I honestly don't know. It's a good question. I don't know. That's I have to see what you click. I on. don't know the answer because the too. link itself was for the tickets was within TikTok, right? So but, I I clicked in TikTok that took me out. To Ticketmaster within their browser, then that freaked me out because you know, <laughs> TikTok browser. 
and everything we heard about that. So wow. then I left that and then searched his name in Ticketmaster. But had I actually bought it in this browser, I guess, within TikTok, are they getting a taste? May or may not. Okay. I don't know. And I think if you know Zook there was. was a relationship, it would probably be the promoter who was advertising there. And what if I had what if this guy, this dude, this comedian probably posts on reels? What if the same situation occurred on reels? Would Ticketmaster or would someone be paying reels for that conversion? It's just a matter of whether there's an affiliate relationship or it's just a pure link that's being that's stuck right. in. Like, like I can by stick the, a link to Ticketmaster in my why would they in let, my why reel. Why would they let me put a link in there? It's um, just because they haven't built a commercial relationship yet. Well, they're Zook. also they're also a, a platform, and generally, yeah. you know, you want to be as friendly to um, the creators on your platform as possible. Mm. Right. Okay. It, you don't want to upset people from posting on TikTok such that they might go to reels, et cetera, et cetera. Speaking of TikTok, though, Walter. Yes. Oh, am I reading this? Peter Kafka tweets U.S. politicians. We are very worried about tick- which politicians, just U.S. politicians. Can we be specific here, please? We are very worried about TikTok. Also, U.S. politicians. Check out my ad on TikTok. Last week, DNC CTO Nell Thomas told me. The party, that's the Democratic Party, has weighed the pro and cons of using the platform and decided to campaign there because everyone's there. Brendan Carr, who's the Republican uh, at the FCC, which, by the way, there's two Republicans and two Democrats because the administration still hasn't figured out how to put a fifth commissioner in there, says the U.S. House of Representatives chief administrative offer has issued a cyber advisory on TikTok, labeling it high risk with personal info access from inside China. We do not recommend the, the download or use of this application due to these security and privacy concerns. So just to be clear, this is a government agency, the CAO, saying it's not safe to use this app. And then finally, Richard Nieva, new TikTok's in-app browser injects code that could let the company monitor a user's keystrokes and taps on outside websites, according to research by at FX. Who knows if that's true or not? So the noise really thanks to FCC commissioner Brennan Carr continues to build um on TikTok i mean the issues with china are real like i don't know like we're going to we're going to see what's going to happen in the upcoming election I, I don't know obviously this is probably something that people don't care about in terms of votes so there's no reason for the administration and our current politicians to do anything about it um, whether it's TikTok or, or other things in China, but like, is this kind of a building storm for TikTok? I don't like the noise level. I mean, look, ultimately, I don't, this is not going to make TikTok go away, right? The question is, is just, do we go back to that Trump era debate of whether TikTok has to sort of do a forced sale to a US company? And and do we start to hear that drumbeat? But again, when well, you see the Democrats Biden- that were in support of that at the time. There are. But now that the Democrats are using TikTok to promote themselves in their run for office in the midterms, it's sort of hard to see how you kick something out that you're actively using. Just it's it's baffling. And not even kick out, right? You just sort of demand localization, I guess, it would be really what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like saying that you're going to make someone a pariah in oil, but then you realize you need oil. and And that's why nothing ever gets done in the government. So the question is. Lots of noise, lots of drumbeat. Does anyone actually have the desire to go to war with, to quote the DNC directly, right? The app that everybody is using, like every single celebrity, 
every single politician, like anybody who wants to be noticed has to use TikTok now. Yeah, Light Shed's got to get on there. Oh, Rich, oh. wait a minute. Rich, you did post a TikTok recently. I have posted some more TikToks, but you got upset with my the, big the head. Peacock, the peacock cock. Yeah, just the big head got you. Let's go. Let's do a little video games. Okay, one from IGN following PUBG Battlegrounds officially going free to play on January 12, 2022. Parent company Crafton has revealed that it has consistently seen a quote steady inflow of more than 80,000 new users per day. Um, very quick and easy reaction to this for certain types of games, especially ones that already have some monochrome of scale, going free to play can be extremely accretive one of those types of games is battle royale and PUBG is kind of the original breakthrough battle royale game so there's no surprise that this is breaking through ongoing free to play as Fortnite is the second tweet here is from Todd Spangler uh, Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit film, merchandise, theme park and gaming rights sold to video games company Embracer Embracer is a company that has not really been on too many investors' radar because it is an international company. Where is it based? They, I've never even heard of it. In Europe. But they are buying- it's generic, but okay. The, <laughs> Thank I, you. I don't know what country. I mean, that's just I, like- I, Luxembourg. Like, I mean, that was like literally like you were just- it's All right. Like, it sounds like a company from like Denmark or something. Look it up. Mark- I mean, just the way was, you I just dismissed it was... me. It's a European company. Okay. <laughs> like, why does it matter? Malaysia. I was just curious. curious. We're curious. We're we're in the entertainment business here. And we can make some like comment about whatever, something about the country and how lovely it is there. Nordic. We're awful. I was right. No, but not Denmark. Sweden. Close enough. Denmark, Sweden. They're kind of in the same Dude, area. <laughs> what what did I what did I Scandinavia? Say? What right, did... next? What did I say? So, so about this game, like, does anyone, is this bad? Like, does this show that Lord of the Rings, no one cares about? So only like a Scandinavian gaming company will actually take it on. Or are they like a real company that just investors don't pay attention to? No, they're a real company now that has acquired tons and tons of gaming studios that has, I think like eight or nine triple a releases kind of in in backlog right now um on the come and many 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 more mobile games double a games etc cetera, etc cetera. so it is a company from sweden as i said earlier that needs <laughs> um that investors need to pay attention to i was trying to get through this quick because walt complains that i'm long-winded and rich said i had I diarrhea of the mouth earlier that's um, not but true you at guys all slowed me down next you, you did great brandon um <laughs> Speaking of diarrhea, we've got. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just couldn't resist. Uh, the streamable Bally Sports Plus, uh, Bally Sports Plus, that, you know, this is the RSN of Sinclair. Bally Sports Plus retained 74% of customers who tried their free trial. No updates on more baseball teams added to the service. And to be clear, we don't know how many people were in this free trial that converted over to paying. Um, Sinclair did decided not to hold disclose on, I don't any hold numbers. On, time out, time out, time out. I don't. What do you mean? I don't understand this tweet. What do you What do you mean by retained? Meaning they roll to pay. Obviously, to they pay. roll to pay. Roll to pay. Oh, they so they converted. So seventy four percent of the free people are actually paying now. That's right. We just don't know how we many. We is don't it know seven how many people. Free. 
Is it seven? Is it a hundred? Is oh, it a thousand? I got you. I got you. Is it a hundred thousand? We have no idea. My guess I mean, is that's that's still a pretty good conversion rate. I mean, yeah, it's an amazing conversion rate. If we start, if we, we saw that conversion rate on companies that we looked at in the venture world, we would want to invest. Are so, you sure that that doesn't depending mean depending on the scale? Are you sure that that doesn't mean that the people were who were getting it for free didn't delete it and retain was just no. retain okay. a wall? No, they, they, they did say, but, but we just don't know how many people there are. <laughs> and, and the problem with this service, remember, this is for people who don't literally most likely do not subscribe to a multi-channel bundle, but have to have their RSN. So it's diehard sports fans Love of a, sports fans, uh, right? Primarily of basketball because there isn't a lot of baseball Blue. in here, right? These are diehard who need their RSN, but don't need the rest of the sports bundle. And I still yes. don't know who those people are. And I would love, I'd love the names yeah, of who everybody. don't care about national, but do care about local. It Correct. is so, it is a very baffling. It just got to be a small number of people. That's my yeah. only thing. So, I but say. Th- so all these people are getting is just their local sports and they don't have to watch all the other news services that are provided on there. They're just getting sports. What do you mean have to? You well, I mean, they're getting anything, the other, Walsh. whatever's on the RSN they're getting. So like if there's okay. a pregame or postgame or. No, 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 they're, no. Not getting not the, they're not news. getting the Sinclair That's what um, about. stations, the, no, the SPGI stuff. This is the diamond sports content. Yeah. Gotcha. That is it. Um, by the way, Walt, you brought up and you asked about uh, sports betting earlier. There was a data point that came out of uh, this call about marketing for sports betting that I thought was pretty interesting, which was despite the other kind of platforms seeing like a plateauing or a losing of ad dollars, um, the uh, Diamond Sports Networks are still seeing a real increase in um, in ad dollars by uh, by sports books on their service. Don't know Makes why sense. they're retaining well. I guess it's because it's a perfectly well targeted um, advertising. Um, but I, I just just go. to go back to that because I think I'm I'm still my head is thick. It's late in the day since we started at four twenty. And so I understand this. I previously was watching Sinclair on my television and I was watching everything that Sinclair offers, including its news programming, which has, which seems to be, you know, a similar message across the entire country. So now if I'm on this free thing, if I'm getting the sports, does that mean a former person that was getting all of what Sinclair was offering, including their news program is now only doing sports? No, because remember, Sinclair before was only inside the bundle. So you had to get your Comcast or your Fios or YouTube TV or whatever. Gotcha. And as part of that, you know, if you were a Comcast or Verizon subscriber, you got the local TV stations of Sinclair and the RSN. Right. Now you're saying, hey, you can just subscribe to the RSN. No, no, no. no. That's what I'm saying. So then if I'm getting just getting the RSN, then I don't need to subscribe to the other stuff. Correct. Okay, you're paying eighteen dollars a month for that just that RSN. Okay, well, my point is maybe some people don't want to have to subscribe to something that includes the Sinclair host of stations that are out there that only want to pay for the sports and don't want the rest of the garbage that's getting you know. But then, but then you don't have ESPN, you don't have Fox Sports, you don't have NBC, you don't have CBS. Like you're, you know, you don't have TNT for the rest of basketball. Like so you're what's just your explanation then. 
What's I think it's there? a very small freaking number of people, and that's why they're okay. not disclosing it. Got that's it. what I think. Okay. So but you're saying knows? it's 76% of like 10 people. Correct. All right. I'm going to take the over. <laughs> like over 10? Yeah. It'd be, it's, there wouldn't be a 76%. Brandon, <laughs> oh, dude, second- rounding, 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 and, and you always use a six to make it sound good. That's the oldest trick in the book. We have John Malone coming up a second time in our podcast today. Brandon, why don't you read this? All right. So this is uh, from David Falkenfleck. News, CNN cancels reliable sources, Brian Stelter, departing network. And here from Peter Kafka, this is a good time to note that Warner Brothers Discovery has received multiple inquiries from would-be CNN buyers, but has rebuffed them so far per source familiar. So on the Stelter thing, one of the things that um, we read as we kind of, you know, read up or read the articles that came out on this is that John Malone very specifically gave the directive that he wants CNN to be much more centrist and Brian Stelter did not fit that vision. And just reading that, it means, hey, Dr. Malone has some real undue influence on what's happening at this asset at Warner Brothers Discovery, and it's actually in line with a lot of other things we've heard. We've heard at Sun Valley, Zaz went into meetings and brought Dr. Malone along with him. Dr. Malone did most of the talking. So you do have maybe a little bit of a Wizard of Oz um, behind the WBD asset. So what does that mean for Don Lemon? (laughs) Sounds like he's gone. I, I would think if you're if if you're not really centrist at CNN, you're Don in a lot of trouble. Don 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 is gone. Okay. Hey, Rich, look, what are you your thoughts gone. on this? No, you just look. You have the reality of like CNN. All of these cable networks are going to have to get much much thinner on their programming, right? Like they're going to have to cut anything that's expensive is going to get cut. They got to pay for sports rights to stay oh, alive dude, and you're, everything you're talking- else. You're talking about cutting things that are expensive. They're cutting Stelter and paying him for three more years. So this wasn't just about the dollars and cents here. This was about the politics or the quality of the programming that he was putting up here. I will say this. I actually agree with Malone on this point. If you look at cable news and the media in general, it has become far, far too polarized. And my belief is that most of the country the quote silent majority, if you want to go back to like Nixon times, um, is actually a much more centric, has a much more centrist viewpoint and would welcome um a much more centered uh yeah and, and what's the what's the cost? It's not like he was just a talking head blathering on about he was making a million or, bucks a year according. right he he's the only cost like it's not like they were sending you know, actual journalists out to find truth in any stories that I yeah, can this tell. Ain't, this ain't no Batgirl. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so what? So I agree with Brand on this one. It's, I don't think it's, this is a thinning. I think this is a recalibrating. Um, we'll see. No matter what, they're going to need to thin more and more. And we'll, we'll see what the most interesting that happened at CNN, not related to this thin story. like hair. Well, they put CNN content. So you remember they killed CNN Plus was one of Zaslav's first moves. Today, they put CNN content like the decades and all the original programming went into Discovery Plus, which is just sort of interesting that it didn't go into HBO Max if the eventual home 
of Discovery Plus is inside of HBO Max. It's just interesting that they're even putting, separating the content and adding to Discovery Plus if the ultimate goal is to merge it in. You're saying the this, the shows that were on CNN Plus are now in Discovery? No, well, I, I shouldn't say that. What are you saying? I don't understand. CNN makes lots of original programming. Yes. CNN's content, all of that sort of um, content that yeah. they, I, I think some of it was probably CNN Plus content, but CNN content is now flowing into Discovery Plus, okay. not into HBO Max. Well, why is that surprising? Does does does, CNN, does the content that CNN puts out that they deem to be original rise to the quality of the HBO brand? Absolutely not. Okay. So then no, that's a no brainer then. The only thing Absolutely that's, the not. only interesting thing is, right, all of Discovery Plus, including CNN, is merging into HBO Max next summer. Well, they no, already have said that. We're gonna have to, that Max, once right? again, we need to get Zaz on Lightshed Live, Lightshed Live to, to talk about to hash this out. Okay, our final slide, Walter. Could you please read? Um, this is an email to we've you. Made Walt read like so many tweets. This I know, but this is too lost. What? what do you mean it's to me? <laughs> it oh. literally was written to you. It's an email to you this week. Oh well, there's stuff on the right, but. So I don't know how we want to approach this. But I will read the stuff on the, the right. Pod, I will the read podcast the podcast right. listeners. This is the section where we talk about the apes. So the AMC apes, not the Bed Bath and Beyond apes, um, <laughs> who got steamrolled. Who got steamrolled? Emailed me, said, "Have any weekend plans, Walter?" And then they said they're pitching to me to go see Dragon Ball Super superhero. And I think I commented to Rich in our oh. um, internally, just like. You know, everyone talks a big game when when Top Gun comes out and everyone's going to theater. But then there's all these weekends in between where they're schlepping content like this, expecting me to go to the movie theater. Um, So and it was just interesting that it came about. And I received this email, I think, the same day that Cineworld um, prepared to file for bankruptcy. Cineworld, for those that know the theater chain, it's Regal in the U.S. Cineworld's a European chain, but the U.S. brand is Regal. Regal filed for bankruptcy or Cineworld filed for bankruptcy today. And the great tweet from Adam Aaron, our favorite um, leader of the apes. Yes. Yesterday, Cineworld Regal, our next largest competitor, issued a fairly bleak prognosis for its near-term performance and liquidity. By contrast, at AMC, we are quite optimistic and confident in our future, especially so because of our new ape security. Which I mean, he's and- basically telling you he's going he's gonna to issue the ape security for good dilution in order to, to, to deliver. Yes, but it gets better. Blindly fear dilution, question mark, he tweets. You miss crucial facts. In January 21, AMC issued shares. AMC stock price soared in May and June of 21. More AMC shares. Again, our stock soared. Stop selling shares in June, July 21, and AMC started a long fall. He basically is saying, the more we issue stock shares, the more our stock goes up. That's amazing. Rich. That is amazing. Here's what you don't understand. When there's a stock split, a stock is a lot cheaper. When you, you should issue go shares, when you issue shares, it's, what time a stock is, is it clearly well? worth it. It's 547. What time is it? Was that my cue? This is the, this is, yeah, we audible the music, remember? Uh, five, <laughs> 540? Is that the, the rim It's song? not 430. <laughs> Definitely it's not four thirty. It's five forty-seven. About oh, to be five forty-eight. Yeah, five fifty. What time is it? What time is it? <laughs> five 
547. This is, this is more my speed of the song. A little slower. And it's this a pretty is good like, song. This was a good choice, Brad. <laughs> late on a Friday night for us? People are probably wondering where is the podcast. No, it's not late, no. It's early. Early. Depends on your perspective, Rich. 548. I'm still on Portuguese time. Well, it's late, late, late there. Not early. Early for me. Is this a spin doctor's? Yeah, it is. get it? I think the spin, spin doctors played spring fling one. They did. Yeah. I when you were there, yeah. I think. I think that may have been 92 though. Is that possible? Were you yeah, there in 92? I have been that like uh that American jacket that I used on. Spins on you, Walt. Yeah, and I was, we were doing some hacky sack out by the uh <laughs> That's so nineties. You know the modern artwork by the high rises, which I will not name. Because I don't remember the name. That's episode 120, everyone. Have a great weekend. Rich, you know what time it is? Time for me to go to sleep, Brandon. 5.49. Later, everyone. 5.49.